Welcome to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast, a look behind the scenes of the fly fishing world, featuring insight from guides and gear reps, conversation with resort managers, thoughts on entomology, discussions on fly patterns and destinations, and plenty of fish stories. Most importantly, it's an exploration of this lifelong journey we call fly fishing. Here is your host, Mark Hopley, with this episode of Fly Fishing 97. Welcome to this edition of Fly Fishing 97 Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hopley, and today I'm pleased to welcome to the program Brandon Dixon of FlyGuys.net. Uh, Rob Bruno, Brandon Dixon, heavily involved in in this outfit, and you know what? They've got so much good information, we decided to turn this into uh, a two-show podcast. So this is episode one, and we'll get to uh, part two uh, very soon. So here's our conversation with Brandon Dixon. Brandon, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Thanks very much for having me on. So, so I got I got to ask you this. I mean, I I've, I've been watching your guys stuff for years and years on YouTube and on, on the net. Tell me a little bit about uh flyguys.net and how it all got started for you. Um, you know, for me, I've kind of, you know, jumped in uh 3 quarters way through, I guess you could say. Um, I started contributing content to the site uh I think about 4 years ago. Um, and, uh, Rob was the one who kind of got everything started quite a few years ago. Um, he actually filled me in on the story. He basically was looking to get into taking up computer coding, uh, as kind of a hobby and, uh, somebody telling him, kind of showing him the ropes on it, told him, you just, you know, do something that you're passionate about. And, uh, he's fly fished in the Kamloops area for longer than I've been alive and uh he's got still to to this day he's just as passionate as the next guy and and uh so he started it that it started out as a basic very simple uh site and as time moved on and social media became a thing uh turned from the website into Facebook into YouTube um into Instagram and you know, we've just kind of adopted those things as as time has gone on. Well, and, hats uh, off, Brandon, to, to Rob and yourself. And and is there any other guys involved well, in there's, this? There's lots of people. I mean, it's a it's kind of a community venture. There's uh, if you're familiar with the site, you'll see articles from uh, all kinds of different people, uh, local Kamloops people. We have our uh, Fly Guys Northern Division with Gord up north. So there's uh, there's many many different people that have contributed uh, in you know some people uh, just a little bit here and there and others uh, a ton of info so you know if anybody has uh, articles that that uh, you know tie into the interior still water fly fishing that that they think would be of interest to other people then then let us know and and uh, we'll get them up on the site it's you know it's there to uh, all of us have a big passion for the fly fishing and and uh you know the more people we can get into it the more people that we can share that passion with the better yeah and the one one thing that stigma that fly fishing has is that it's a you know it's not an easy thing to get into uh or to learn so you know i mean you can just about go to our website and find information on how to fish any bug out there so your, um, your website, Brandon, is, is flyguys.net, correct? That's right. Yep. 
Yeah. And you see, the one thing that I love about your website is it's the patterns. I'll be honest with you. When I started tying chronomids, I probably, you guys were one of the first places I looked. And I'm like, man, these, these, these patterns are amazing. And, and ever since, uh, I mean, you're, you share them for just because I assume you're passionate about the sport. Well, that's it. I mean, it's, you know, you'll have, there are, you know, there's another thing about fly fishing that, you know, I mean, information um, is usually held tight to the vest, if you will, mm-hmm. um, you know, with certain patterns and certain techniques and that kind of thing. And, you know, that's that's all fine and dandy, but um, anything that we tie on YouTube, anything that you see on the site, those are tried, proven, tested patterns that uh, have been fished around here for a long time. Uh, you know, some of them not as long as others. We've just developed in them in the last few years. But everything we share is is something that you can tie on to the end of your tippet, go out there and, and catch fish with. Where we don't hide anything. We don't change patterns uh, certain ways. Um, yeah. You know, everything's very open and, and forward. And and uh, for sharing the information, we want uh, people to be able to take it and, and uh, put it to action. So. I always That's think I, I always look back and think to uh, when I first started chronomid fishing. And I don't know how many years you guys have been doing this, but when you started the whole bobber down thing, <laughs> yeah, that kind of took off. It's uh, yeah, I mean that's you know that's one of the ways I'm. Um, Rob has shown me a little bit in the last few years the importance of naked fishing uh, with no indicator, but I just I don't know. There's something about that. Uh, watching that stupid little thing go down that that really gets me going so it's not too often i'll be fishing without one but there are times that that call for for no indicator but if i can get away with one i'll be using one because i often wonder brandon if that maybe it takes you back to your youth you know you think before you started fly fishing with the with a worm or bait and you get that bobber goes down <laughs> it's just that little bit yeah. of adrenaline you know yeah there's just something about that that uh and you know a lot of people will uh will agree that you know that's just one thing that that gets them going it was funny i recorded a <clears throat> had a pretty good fishing day there uh, a couple weeks ago and and it was so good in fact that i basically was able to record a take so i was in my float tube at the time and the fit i mean i could as soon as my fly hit the bottom of the lake it was going down so i cast out and i pulled my phone out and i recorded the uh the indicator and i think it was 37 seconds into the video or something down that thing goes and and i posted that on instagram and and we posted it to the facebook page as well and the amount of comments that came through with guys just saying just watching that gets my heart racing and you know different things like this you can just hear the passion just in their comments you know of a simple little simple little thing like that um you know the guy the response you get out of it is is pretty incredible so you you know you can uh you're not the only one that feels that way. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I don't know about you, but when I close my eyes at night after a night like or a day like that on the water, it's like you kind of relive it. Oh, a hundred percent. That uh, I mean, I I tend to relive the takes that I uh, the fish that I don't catch. Um, mm. You know, after a day of fishing, there's always those those ones that you missed or those you know uh, those are the ones that constantly go through my head. I'm always wondering, you know, was that my ten pounder? Uh, you know, what was it? And uh, I do think about that a lot as well. We're chatting today with Brandon Dixon, the Kamloops area from FlyGuys.net. Brandon, I'm, I know there's a few, a lot of contributors in your uh, online uh, material, but I'm curious how you 
uh, personally got into fly fishing? I started, I was born and raised in uh, northern BC. So our open water season isn't the, the longest of some of the parts in the province. But we grew up, you know, in um, Mackenzie is a tiny little town just north of Prince George, kind of smack dab in the middle of nowhere. And uh, basically you've got the outdoors with your playground as a kid. And um, we had a little lake, about 10-minute walk from my house. Um, so my brother and I, you know, as you mentioned earlier, we started out with the with the bobber and the worm and, and uh, spinners and that kind of thing. And, and uh, eventually it was my brother, actually, that picked it up first. He's three years younger than me. When he was younger, he just got on to fly fishing um, through a friend of his. And then he actually got into fly tying. And he was only about 10 years old when he started fly tying. He would go to these little tying groups with all the old fellas from town, and, and they would teach him a whole bunch of stuff. And, and uh, so from there, I, I started fly fishing. And um, we continued to do that throughout our teen years. And um, I did get away from it for a little while in my early 20s. Um, had a lot going on work, that, this, that, the other thing. I didn't do it near as much as I uh, wanted to. And about seven or eight years ago, I started, I fished it for the first time in like a year and a half. And uh, it was one of those really, really good days. And ever since that day, I pretty much dove in uh, head first. And it is eat, sleep, drink, fly fishing. Um, <laughs> I haven't, uh, haven't done anything but since. So when I started again, obviously... Um, you know, the fishing part, um, I was at, in Vernon at the time when I picked it back up. Um, I've been in Kamloops for about six years, but I was in Vernon just before that. So I wasn't far from Kamloops, so we would make weekend trips and, and uh, come out here and fish Roche Lake and, you know, a bunch of the different lakes around here. The fly tying part of it came basically out of necessity. You know, we were, we were going through flies. Um, we spent as much time fishing as we did. One, none of us, there was a group of five of us, and none of us tied flies. Right. Uh, so I decided to be the guinea pig and and uh, start tying kind of out of necessity. Um, you know, started with basic little nymphs and leeches, and, and uh, the patterns that, you know, we use the most are, are essentially, I think I tied six or seven different patterns, and only those six or seven for probably two years straight. I was just simply tying so we could fish. Um wow. You know, and I actually, uh, back then when I, I wasn't a part of the fly guys yet, but I did learn a lot of the techniques and, and things I use now from the site. So it just goes to show you, you know, a guy seven, eight years ago, couldn't tie a single fly has come, you know, leaps and bounds. And, uh, you know, that website, YouTube, there's so many outlets there to get the information now that, you know, it doesn't take you. You know, if I go back 20 years, I pity the guy that had to learn how to tie flies back then because that was all trial and error. There was no internet. I mean, we're sitting there looking at, at books. And, uh, I mean, I, I started tying flies probably 30, I don't know, 35 years ago. And I was reading books. But as soon as you see somebody tie something and watch it live or watch a video of it, you get a yeah. way better feeling, eh, Brandon? Yeah, I mean, it's it's totally different. I mean, my... my uh brother only ended up doing it for three or four years and then he kind of just stopped doing it so 
You know, I didn't have a teacher. I didn't have somebody that I could go to and say, how do you do this? How do you do that? Mm. But luckily, I was young enough that I did have the internet in my favor. And, and for anybody out there that's, you know, thinking about doing it or, or are nervous to try it or whatever it might be, just give it a shot for, you know, for 50 or 100 bucks, you can buy yourself a, a vice and some thread and some wire and some, you know, basic materials. Uh, it's not expensive to get going. Uh, just give it a shot. You know, if it's something you enjoy, keep with it. If not, then no big deal. But, uh, but don't be afraid of it because with the information that's out there now, you can go from not knowing anything to being a, a pretty accomplished fly tire fairly quickly. The thing I love about it too, Brandon, is the fact that when you're tying your own patterns, they're unique. And I think, you know, let's face it, commercially tied patterns have their places. But when you put your own little tweak yeah. on things, I mean, it's a game changer. Yeah. I still have. I mean, I this was, I think it was seven years ago, but I still have first little micro leech that I ever tied that caught me a fish. And I don't think I remember the lake. I remember the day. I can tell you what the weather was like. It's just one of those moments that, you know, you, you put this thing together, you cast it out, and boom, you catch a fish, and, you know, that is a pretty proud moment. I mean, mm. it's a tiny, tiny little thing in the big scheme of life, but for me, it was uh, it was a pretty neat moment, and, and that's not one I'll ever forget. I think something, too, that people don't understand that don't tie is once you tie a fly, you almost recognize it for life. So if you give it to a buddy and you go, I caught a fish on this and I think I bought it. You're like, no, I tied that one. You actually know it almost has your signature. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, you know, I've been, it's, that's kind of a neat thing. Uh, we've been, I've tied a lot of flies over the last three or four years. And, uh, you know, you'll be at a lake and, and somebody will recognize me or, or my truck and come over and say hi. And, and, uh, you know, the next thing you know, they're showing you a box going, Hey, you tied these. And, you know, I can look through and, and just about pick out from that box without them saying anything exactly every single one that yeah. I tied. Right? It is, you do have a bit of a signature. I mean, everybody has their own yeah. style and, and, uh, especially with the chronomids. I mean, that's kind of our specialty. You know, everybody is robbed, always been a super, super thin chronomid guy. I can pick his cronies out uh, just as well as my own sometimes. And uh, My buddy has know, a saying, my buddy has a saying, and I'm going to throw it out here, it's thin to win. Thin to win, yes, yes. And, you know, that's, it's one aspect that, honestly, four or five years ago, I probably wouldn't have put much thought in, into. Mm -hmm. um, but there are times when if you have a chunky chronomid versus a thin chronomid, they're probably going to take the thin one and they might not even touch the chunky one. Yeah. So absolutely. You know, and there are, there are other times where the bigger ones yeah. uh, you know, do have their place, but before I never really put a lot of thought into it, but the more you dive into this stuff and, and the more addicted you become, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the more little differences that you notice and, you know, you're not going to learn that on the bench. You're going to learn that on the lake, but, but that's the nice thing about having a bench at home is you can play with that stuff. And, and, uh, I've usually got two rods out, and uh, one of them is some kind of an experimental pattern. The other one's a go-to pattern, and, and uh, you know, you just try them out and see what works, and and uh, away you go. That's cool. Yeah, I <laughs> I love experimenting myself. And you know what? Why put something on you? you especially if you're working two rods, and and in, for those that yeah. don't know, in British Columbia, if you're fishing on your own, you're allowed to fish with two rods. Now, yeah, I mean, why not try something different, right? 
That's right. Yeah. I mean, and you know, it's, it's, that's when you, that's when you, when a guy does that. And, and I remember when I started, started doing it, you know, you really, that helps you hone your tying skills because now, you know, certain ideas are just don't work. Mm. Other ideas work, work very well. And then you can adapt those ideas to different scenarios and different, uh, different bugs and that kind of thing. So, you know, that helps you on the bench as much as it does on, on the lake. While we're talking about fly tying, I'm curious about uh, the tools and the uh, materials that you use. What, what kind of vice do you tie on right now? Uh, I use a Dan vice. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually, we've got those available uh, through the site. I believe they're made in Europe. Uh, I can't remember exactly where. It is a rotary vice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a full-on rotary, very well built. You know, I wasn't super picky with vices in the beginning. And since I've got this one, I mean, this will probably be one of the last ones I ever get. You know, I've got friends that have numerous different vices and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, I do have a small one I take traveling with me. Right. Um, but this one uh, never leaves my bench. And um, it's it's built really, really well. Having the rotary feature, obviously tying chronomids is, is uh, handy, although I still admit I don't use it near as much as I should. I'm right. a bit of a, a bit of a perfectionist with my flies, and, and uh, sometimes using that rotary feature doesn't allow me to, to get it quite the way I want, so I'll just unwind it and do it by hand. Hmm. Um, but it would be, I mean, you know, it's a vice that I would highly recommend. Uh, it's got great quality. We have uh, replacement jaws, which I find to be the biggest thing. Not every vice out there is easy to find replacement jaws for. And uh, that's one thing that if you tie as much as we do, you will go through some jaws. But, you know, for your average guy, you would probably buy one of these vices and it'll last you a lot of years. But I quite enjoy it. I've been running this one for, I think, two and a half years now. What's the price point and, on that? Um, I want to say they're about $140. That's reasonable for a good vice. I can't remember. We'd have to, we'd have to pop on the website yeah. and double check. But yeah. We do okay. have pricing online if somebody wants to go and check, but it's in that, uh, it's in that neighborhood, which is, uh, fairly reasonable for, um, when you compare it to some of the other stuff out there, it's quite reasonable. Well, that's, there's probably, there is a gap there in the market. And I find that with a lot of fly fishing equipment, you know, like in the lower end, say up to 50 bucks, there's all kinds of stuff. And then in the higher end in the three, $400, but in that price point, I think that's a pretty sweet spot in the market for sure. It is. Yeah. And, you know, take that with just about everything fly tying, honestly. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of folks that get wrapped up in the in the materials and the different you know types of things that you have to have. Or there's no rules in fly tying, and I don't know if it's uh, you know why why it is, but you know I'm never afraid to experiment with different things. Um, I know there's a lot of people out there that you know have to have certain tinsels and have to have certain this and and you know, I, I've used materials from the inside of chip bags. I've used, <laughs> you know, Ziploc bags for scud patterns. I've used, you know, there's there's no rules to fly tying. Yeah. And especially when you're getting started, I mean, you know, don't let people think tell you that you have to go out and buy the Mirage tinsel or the fancy this. I mean, there's 
before there was all these materials, people were using feathers yeah, and, exactly. uh, and all natural materials. So, you know, they would find feathers and, and build flies. You know, there's a whole, whole bunch of products out there. Just because they say fly tying on them, you know, it doesn't mean you have to use them. You can use household items. I mean, you know, the, the probably the biggest thing is anti-static bag. You know, that was never designed for fly tying, but tell me a fly tire's bench that doesn't have a bunch of anti-static bags sitting beside it. You know what I mean? I'm looking at it so, right now. Exactly, right? So that's uh, that's something that I tell a lot of people is is just remember that there's no rules in uh, in fly tying, and it's you, you can be creative with it. You can uh, use what you want, tie what you want. And the yeah. end goal is to catch fish, so... You know something I use quite often, you'll probably laugh at me, but is that, that, that mesh bag from like mandarin oranges or avocados that's either green or yep. red. I've done yep. a lot of lot of ribs on a lot of different flies with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it's uh it's crazy. I'll go through the grocery store sometimes and and uh just see certain things and all of a sudden ideas will start running in my head on you know what I could do with that, you know, and and uh sometimes you put them together and they work and Sometimes you put them together and they don't. But so you fishing um, with like a chicken wing? <laughs> I've never fished with a chicken wing. I haven't gone that far. <laughs> I don't know if I could. Uh, I don't know if my seventy denier would hold a chicken wing onto the hook or not. <laughs> yeah, throwing that out there. Hey, um, <laughs> I got a question for you, man. I'm curious who your biggest influences are in your in your fly fishing and fly tying from over the years. Like, who have you learned the most from? Um, I mean, I'm going to have to say Rob by far, um, you know, since, uh, the site, you know, and is what brought us together or brought us to know each other. Um, and since then we've become great friends and, uh, the knowledge that guy shared with me is, is incredible. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, he's been fishing this area for probably close to 40 years and, so, you know, the knowledge of the area, the knowledge of the pattern, the knowledge of tying, uh, there's a lot of stuff there that, that he shared and, and uh, helped me with over the last few years. But, you know, before that, again, I, you know, if you really, in my scenario, I would say the Internet, as weird as that sounds. You know, it's, I didn't really have somebody that showed me how to fly fish uh, when I was first starting. I mean, you know, my dad was a fisherman and a hunter. Um, he never really was a big fly fisherman. Uh, so my brother and I kind of taught each other and, and helped each other when we were younger. Uh, and when I start really started getting into it, other than a few buddies that did it, it was a kind of a self-taught thing. You know, there was, a, again, you know, without the internet, there would have been a lot more trial and error. And I think I had a lot more trial and error with fly fishing than I did with fly tying because I didn't put as much effort into researching, you know, the fishing part of it as I did the tying part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, with with the fishing part, it was more, okay, let's go out onto the lake and we'll chuck this overboard and and, uh, see what happens. And and there was just more of that that trial and error. But, you know, yeah, so honestly, aside from Rob, I haven't had a ton of, uh, you know, people around showing me, you know, how this works and how that works. But you know, I think that, and for me, it's it's part of it, but I think for a lot of people, you know, that learning curve is what keeps them coming back. Right. Uh, I know for me, you know, when I when I did find a trend that worked when I was starting out or, or a pattern that did really well, 
you know, it's something that I would remember and I would write down and, and, uh, there's a, there's a sense of satisfaction in that. Like, look, I figured this out and, uh, you know, that always feels good. It was like, you know, it's like when I go back to that, that first fly I caught that I tied and caught a fish on, you know, it's that, that sense of accomplishment that, you know, I, uh, I learned how to do this. It was a pain in the ass to get there, but now I'm there. And I can lock it in my toolbox and pull it out again when I need it, kind of thing. What goes What goes into your creative process when you're trying to develop a pattern? Because that's something that I always mull over in my head, and I can't always explain where it comes from. But uh, maybe you could put some some verbiage to that. Yeah, it's. I mean, nowadays it's it's almost tough. There's so many. You know, a lot of times it's coming from other tires and and uh, and fishermen. And some of the stories that you hear, uh, different things like that. <clears throat> but there's so many, you know, patterns and, and variants of patterns and, and things out there today that, you know, it's, I think a lot of people get focused on trying to create something that hasn't been done before mm-hmm. rather than trying to create something that's going to catch fish. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, I do. It's, and that's, that's where, you know, it's, for, for us, it, it really is just about catching the fish. I mean, I'm not concerned about, you know, um, so-and-so knowing that they have my pattern in their box. If they have a fly guy's pattern in their box, they know it's going to catch them some fish. And, uh, you know, that's the most important thing. So a lot of, a lot of my stuff is, is comes out of what do I think is going to catch fish, yeah. not what looks good or what, you know, this you know, new material here does or that does. Um, well, that speaks you know, to something that's that's on my mind a lot. You know, you'll see a pattern that looks so realistic it has to work, but it doesn't. And then you look at right. something that maybe covers all kinds. It could be a nymph, it could be a leech, it could be a dragon, it could be a caddis or case caddis, and all of a sudden, boom, because it's covering all those genres like a, a good searching pattern does. It just works. Well, that's there's there's patterns that catch fish, and there's patterns that catch fishermen. And right. I think in, in today's world, we have a lot more patterns that catch fishermen coming onto the market than we do that catch fish. Yeah, that's well said. Rob is one of those, Rob is one of those guys, actually, that, you know, I mean, as many patterns as we have available and, and we have out there. We were, both, we were just talking about it last week, actually. We went out to a lake and, and you know, we were there for a day. But the whole time, we, we both kept going to one box. We, we've got numerous fly boxes each. Mm-hmm. Um, but we both kept going to our, this one box. And I said, you know, what do you got in there? Is that like just your, your go-to? And we both talked about it. And honestly, I think, you know, for my, my, that little box that I have, that's probably consists of, you know, 90% of, of what I fish throughout the season. And I probably got five or six other boxes chock full of stuff that is the other 10%. But, you know, they're all the go-to patterns and, and uh, you know, where the fish are feeding and, and the profile of what you're trying to feed them is a lot more important than whether you've got split gills or not split gills or no mm-hmm. gills at all, or, you know, different things like that. There's there's priorities in fishing and, you know, in my opinion, realism isn't, isn't exactly one of them. You have no idea how much I'm enjoying chatting with you because I, I totally get in everything you're saying. And for me, that like realism 
in other words, if, if you don't tie, basically just trying to make a bug look exactly like a bug, well, you might as well tie something plastic on because there's no, the problem with that, in my opinion, is there's no movement. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, I think it's a tying thing. It's a, it's a pride thing. It's a, you know, I mean, it's like paintings, for instance, right? If we, if we take flies and treat them like paintings, you know, there's, there's some people out there that can uh, splatter paint with their hands all over a canvas and, uh, you know, hang it up on their wall and be super proud of it. And there's other people out there that can, you know, look out the window at the creek that I'm staring at right now and, and paint that scene perfectly with every leaf. And uh, to them, that's their thing, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody has their thing. But I think fly tying has become very much an art. And so there are those out there that, that take it that next step further. And, and those are what I call picture flies. They're right. really cool to look at. Uh, you know, I tie them sometimes. Um, you know, stuff that just looks neat it's outside the box. Maybe it'll catch fish. Maybe it won't. You know, but it's uh, that's more the artistic side of it, not so much the fish catching side of it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And you think about how, like, marabou moves in the water on the retrieve. It's it's lifelike. But you think, like, a lot of realistic materials don't have that traditional feathers and fur kind of flow. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, the, the fly I was fishing today is a pretty good example of that. I actually hung two of them side by side because I've been asking myself this question for quite a long time, and that's the bloodworm. Mm. Um, a lot of the fishermen that I know that catch a lot of fish, uh, when they're fishing a bloodworm, it has a marabou tail. Now, there's a lot of bloodworm patterns out there that don't have any tail on them. You know, they're realistic looking. They've got translucency to them, different things like that. But they're very stiff in the water. And uh, I took a small video I'm going to post to Instagram uh, later tonight of some bloodworms out of a throat sample that are in my hand. And if you look at them, they are wiggling beyond the leaf the whole time. Now, obviously, when they're down inside the tubes, they're not doing that. The trout can't see that. But when they come out of them and they're in the water column, they're just like a chronomet. They're moving like crazy. And that marabou uh, whipping around with a little whiffle on the water imitates that very, very well. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and to me, today was a good example. The marabou tail pattern outfished the other one three to one. So... You know, I mean, there's there's a pretty good example of what we're talking about uh, in a real-world scenario. How deep were you fishing today? Uh, about 18 feet. Okay. And they were on bloodworms? They were, yeah. I only managed about a half a dozen fish on bloodworms. They had, uh, the, the first fish I pumped probably had 20 bloodworms in it, all alive, and one chronomid pupa. So I was fishing a leech at the time, and they were still eating the leech. So I didn't change over, and when the leech slowed down, I did. But I went through about a half an hour spurt where I caught a probably half a dozen fish, and then they shut off. After that, it was getting on in the day. <clears throat> I switched to a gumpus and uh, proceeded to catch quite a few more fish, and the fish still had bloodworms on them. So why they weren't taking mine anymore, I don't know. Uh, it may have been a depth thing. It may have been, you know, just the zone. I was in the zone at one point, not of it at another. I, I'm not sure, but but I do like fishing that gumpus because the takes are. Oh. are pretty heavy. That, well, that's, that's fun in the summer. That's some addictive stuff. And and you talked about earlier about fishing naked or fishing the deep line on the chronomid. You talk about some amazing takes. Yeah, 100%. Rip the rod right out of your hand. Yes, sir. I'm a, I'm a pretty big advocate of the of the booby fly as well. And, 
You know, that's one of the things we joke uh, with Rob, him being the old dog and me being the young fella and uh, trying to teach the old dog new tricks. And it, it took me, I think, three years. But after a few times of, of being out together and, and hooking up on fish and, and Rob not, you know, that doesn't happen very often. It's very hard to outfish that guy. Uh, but the booby is, is super productive when everything else isn't. And it took me three years of doing that, but uh, I'm pretty sure if you opened up his box, he's got a few of them in there now. We're talking about Rob Bruno and uh, Brandon Dixon of flyguys.net. Um, just some, some cutting-edge stuff. And so when somebody goes on to your website, what, I know you've got nets for sale, you've got fly patterns for sale. They can probably, I assume you've got links to your YouTube videos. Maybe tell the folks a little bit about what they can find on your website. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a fly fishing information mecca, basically. Whether you're an experienced uh, tire or fisher or somebody that's never done it before, uh, there, there'll be some valuable information on there for you. There's articles on techniques. So we don't just put the patterns on there. Um, there is, you know, different sections. So you can go in and you can see all the different patterns that we tie. You can see the real version of all the bugs. There's an entomology section on there. So if you've never seen a leech before, you've never seen a caddis pupa or larva before, uh, if you're curious what those look like in the real world, you can see all that. Um, so we post the pattern, and then there's usually an article behind it on how to fish it, which is, you know, that's the hard part. It's mm-hmm. easy to, to go to the store and buy yourself a rod and some flies and go out and try and do it. But there's different techniques for each kind of scenario and early spring and late spring and summer and fall and so on and so forth. And, and you know, it's a big puzzle that you have to put together. Uh, the website has a ton of those puzzle pieces that will make it a lot easier for you. Well, that's what um, I like about what yeah. you guys uh, about what you guys are doing. As far as like you know, if you go into a fly shop, they will tell you what to use, where to go. But if you're buying yeah. stuff online, uh, basically yeah. you, you're just getting something in the mailbox, and it's like, okay, have at her. But you guys that's actually right. are going one step beyond that, uh, making it a virtual uh, fishing site, saying, hey, here's if you're going here, use this. Here's how you do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's you know, it's all about sharing that information. You know, and that's why it's kind of become a bit of a community site because, you know, somebody will see something on there and and they'll want to pitch in their two bits. And and we welcome that. I mean, if it's valuable information, uh, we want it on there. And uh, so there's numerous different people that have contributed to the site over the years. Tons of people that have written articles, uh, tons of people that have done different fly patterns, you know, different things like that. But, you know, again, if you're new to fly fishing and it's something you want to uh, pursue, then check it out. Uh, from the basics right through to some advanced techniques, uh, everything's on there, and it's all to shorten the learning curve. A lot of us had to do it the hard way, and uh, you know, without the passion that we have uh, for it, we may have given up on it. I mean, mm-hmm. I know there was times when I questioned, you know, what the hell am I doing out here? I've, I've been fishing for three days straight. I haven't caught a fish, uh, you know, different things like that. Oftentimes, that'll put somebody off. Well, we no, all go but, through that, right? As soon as you, the, the minute oh, you think you have it figured out, well, guess what? And it takes those, you know, you're going to get your butt kicked some days and, and we still get our butts kicked some days, but that's what keeps us coming back. You know, when you go out and you get your butt kicked by a lake, you know, I go home that night and I ask myself why, and I continue to ask myself that until the next time I go back there and I'll keep going back until I can figure it out, you know, but again, for me, that's the enjoyment of it is you know it's every diff- every lake is a puzzle and you need to put the pieces in place to figure it out 
and that's what makes it interesting. Every time you go somewhere new, it's a new challenge. And uh, if you like challenges, then this is a pretty good game to be in. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Brandon Dixon has been our guest of flyguys.net. Brandon will join us next week with part two of this interview. Thanks for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you would like to hear on the show. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water.